The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and scrum.org. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whenever you're watching this, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I am your host, Emily Lind, and today we're talking with Shika Dougal. Shika has led several agile transformations across various industries. Throughout her career, she's had an opportunity to wear multiple hats, a scrum master, product owner, release train engineer, agile coach, and mentor. She is a certified safe program consultant who firmly believes in continuous learning, leading by example, and defines her success with the success of the people she works with. And happy July 4th when we're recording this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, how did you find Agile? Uh, I like to think of it as Agile found me. So, I started my career at the age of 19 with uh, my startup that faded away eventually, but it taught me a lot of what I know today. Since I was young and still working on my bachelor's degree while trying to figure out what it means to run a business, there was no option but to have an Agile mindset, to be ready to pivot to work on smaller, manageable pieces of work. That's the origination story, and gradually I found myself wanting to learn ways to adapt, ways to be more efficient. It piqued my curiosity about concepts like Lean Six Sigma, Scrum, and Kanban, and I always wondered what the future of Agile would look like, what was next, and then came Safe for the Scaled Agile Framework, and I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to share my experience and learnings in that space. Oh, wonderful. So you've kind of like run the, run the gambit from being a small business owner and trying to implement it at a small scale mm-hmm. to slowly and slowly moving up and trying out different things. Um, that sounds really exciting. Cool. Um, so uh, what have you observed about the role of women in the Agile community over the years? Ah, that's a good question. So while there's no doubt that the Agile community is still predominantly a male-dominated space, I have actually come across several women in in, uh, Scrum Master, Product Manager, and Agile Coach roles over the years. I firmly believe that it is up to us as women to stand up and show up. If we truly believe in agility, it is up to us to exhibit the five core values. Commitment to ourselves and our careers, focus on continuously learning and building on our expertise, openness so we can share our thoughts, opinions, and challenges, respect that we may we must give our colleagues of our gender and the courage to expect it in return. Did... Was that okay? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious too, because we just talked about um, your new baby, your mm-hmm. new nine-month-old. How is it being a, a new mother in this Agile space as somebody who's very curious about that as well? And I, I believe you're a, you're a consultant, correct? I am. Or I a, am. A, a, yeah, so how, yeah. how is that? How has that been? Oh, initially it was very overwhelming, um, you know, juggling work and a baby and uh, his needs. And I'm new to motherhood. It's my first baby. Um, but it's been quite a hell of an experience. I sort of have an agile board set up for myself as well, like for all the chores <laughs> that I need to get done in the day. And that's how I get them done. So I, I give myself a purpose every morning. Uh, and this is what I need to get done, whether it's personally or professionally. And that's how I make it happen. So it's been oh, a journey, fantastic. but uh, I'm very, I'm very happy and fulfilled uh, with this journey. 
And it seems like you're you're an agile mom as well as being yeah. <laughs> an agilist. As yeah, work, so. I guess when my baby grows up, he's going to have a small little Kanban board of his own with his chores. <laughs> I have mine in my room. I was seeing, you know, put that with my, I'm sure my kid, uh, whenever I have a kid, is going to is gonna be like, Mom, I get it. I'll put it on a post-it note. Yeah. I understand, <laughs> you know. Yes, it's going from the doing to the done column, you yeah. know, once you, once you accept it. <laughs> yeah, my husband hates it, but I kind of have one for him as well. Like, he doesn't, oh, he doesn't know but it. But it's a I hidden have, one? Yeah. Like, I keep putting things on his plate, saying that this is what you need to get done. And uh, I'll ask him throughout the day, was this done yet? Like, what's the status on this? And <laughs> I'll sort of move it for him. Because <laughs> if I tell him. I just want to make sure I don't give you too much work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> You're dear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Um, well, thank you. Um, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, you started out in, in kind of like a small business mindset. And how, how long have you been in the Agile community? Oh, uh, it's been a while. Um, so let me say ever since 2010, 2011? 2010, 2011. So about, yeah, I think longer than that, but yeah, while working, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay, so like 10, 12 years, fantastic. So in that time, you know, tell me a little bit about how you view SAFE as that next step in an organization's transformation. Absolutely. So uh, a little bit about SAFE. SAFE is a simple framework that emphasizes Strong cooperation and alignment across teams as they work towards a common objective. It is uh, built on a blend of lean and agile principles and ultimately SAFE enables businesses to consider the big picture and guarantees alignment with business goals. Now, because developers and testers may lose sight of business objectives, this alignment can often slip away in agile organizations that adopt a more bottom-up approach. SAFE's top-down methodology, in contrast, um, helps to guarantee that strategic objectives are always kept in mind and that all the choices are taken in support of those objectives. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, for those that, you know, have either, you know, they know about SAFE or they've been in SAFE implementations, I think you're the first person that's ever told me it's a simple framework. Can you explain <laughs> a little bit why, why you think that is? Um, so it's essentially just a guideline, right? So it, it helps us effectively manage the complicated large-scale projects. It gives us a roadmap of how do you start implementation um, it to, to help us standardize the processes across teams and, and helps prevent obstacles and delays that could arise when several teams or programs must collaborate. Uh, it also aids in determining success metrics and identifying areas to enhance workflows. So it sort of gives you the layout. It gives you the, the roadmap of what you need to follow, how to get there. Uh, and it, it's a guideline. So you modify that based on the requirements of the business, based on the needs of the company and what your goals and objectives are, and whether you want to start as a pilot with, with some smaller teams or whether it's um, you know full-blown scale uh, safe implementation at scale. Uh, it just depends upon what you're trying to achieve and uh, what the needs of the company is, uh, is, but essentially it's just a, a guideline. Yeah, no, I like that. I think, 
I think, you know, what you're basically saying, if, if I can paraphrase on this a little bit, is that like it's a simple framework because it can be as complex as you want it to be. As simple or and as complex. Yeah, as it'll it serve be. as a, if you make it really big and complex and robust, well, then it's going to be big and complex and robust. That's like the guideline that you're giving it. But if you give it a guideline of minimum viable and effectively managing your teams, it might be relatively simple Absolutely. for your organization to implement. And more often than not, it helps to start small, right? So if you started with a very, uh, like you said, MVP, uh, but MVP level or just as a skeleton level and then build on it, um, you can use all of the robust features that it provides and all of the different concepts that it provides. So it's just up to us, um, you know, how, how we use it in what context and the business needs. Yeah, I do like that. I um, a lot of times I'll tell people, you know, when they're looking at the big picture, because I'm in a safe SB, SBC as well, um, is like this is like the whole toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And like these are like the minimum pieces that we probably want to have. But then from here, going, what guidance from agile product delivery do we want to use? You know, and what are the things that we're struggling with in X arena? And then what's maybe a toolbox or a principle or a process that we can try to fix it? Absolutely. You know, instead of just going, all right, big big box, throw it at you. I agree. I agree. <laughs> And in the end, like there is no right or wrong answer when deciding whether your company should implement safe in order to scale. Um, the key basically is so we educate ourselves about the options that are out there and the specific requirements of the business so you can choose the strategy that will work best for the team. Wonderful. Can you give me an example of you either implementing that or um, of safe working in that way? Oh, sure. Um, so you mean to say whether or not we, safe is the best way to scale? An example of, of that? Um, I think, uh, so I think I was mainly going for, you know, a working example of you implementing it in a simple way um, based on the needs of an organization or a team. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. So if you have, say, two teams, right, and um, two teams are are very familiar with using Scrum and maybe Kanban. Uh, and they're just trying out, trying ways for them to manage dependencies between each other. Um, we're, trying to, uh, we're trying to make sure that the teams are uh, coordinated, they, they are in sync, and one, you know, work from one uh, team does affect the other. So in that way, using some of the concepts from SAFE to manage those dependencies, whether it's having the same cadence, whether it's having the same PI planning dates, uh, and uh, pre-PI planning sessions, post-PI planning sessions, just to make sure that we're aligned, you know, what came out of the, the PI planning, are we aligned on the outcomes? Um, so just using even that concept helps um, some of the teams, uh, you know, start to scale, start to think about the bigger picture, start to think about how their one's work um, affects the other and how the, you know, the, the impact of the change. Um, so this could be a simple way of implementing, implementing some of the concepts without really going too deep or making it too complicated. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's a great example. Just really making something visible and transparent and being able to track that, you know, because PI planning, right, purpose is alignment more yeah. than anything else. So fantastic. Absolutely. And you then know, maybe even using yeah. metrics, right, like uh, program predictability metrics, even if we don't call it that, we're always, uh, you know, almost always trying to measure actual versus final. 
whether it's, you know, did we, did we achieve what we planned? Did we set out to achieve that? Like, even if you're using Scrum, right, it's sprint goals. We've set some goals for ourselves, and we're trying to measure at the end that we did achieve them. So if you're having uh, multiple teams coordinate towards one program or trying to um, together, um, you know, put their minds together and build a, a product, and maybe if it's a new product, they can still use program predictability or some piece of that metrics um, to, to measure final versus actual. And that could be a small concept from SAFE without really implementing a full-blown, you know, full-blown SAFE implementation at scale. Wonderful. Thank you. So tell me why you prefer SAFE or why you suggest SAFE over other scaling frameworks like LESS or Nexus or Disciplined Agile. Uh, I alluded to this a bit earlier when I mentioned it's a simple framework, just because I feel like there are a lot of uh, useful bits and pieces that we can use from here and there. And, and it, at the same time, you can also make it as complex as you want. So if it, it's a, it's like you, you start small, so you can start using Scrum, because most, most teams today in IT are very familiar with using Scrum or even Kanban. And it gives you that flexibility to, to choose what's necessary. For example, a DevOps team, Kanban may be very useful for them. For some teams, you might need to use Scrumbon, which is a combination of Scrum and Kanban. So it gives you that flexibility of choosing what is right for that particular team, what works for that team, but at the same time, be coordinated and um, keep uh, the objectives of the business and the business goals um, as the main priority. So everything that's worked on, everything that's developed is all supporting that main main goal of the business. Um, And it also keeps um, product owners very much, uh, you know, occupied very much involved throughout the process because they're part of the system demos, they're part of um, assigning the final business values, uh, they're part of the conversation. Um, so it really helps keep them engaged when we're trying to undertake such a massive, uh, you know, massive large-scale projects which are complicated, which require coordination between teams, between programs, which may have impact on the business, um, you know, on customers. So I really think um, SAFE's got a lot of uh, substance. So, you know, why do you think, with that being said, and the, the guidelines and that it's, you know, we, you can implement it as simply as you want to, why do you think scal- these scaling frameworks get such a bad rap sometimes? Uh, I think people are, you know, whenever there's change, and change is the only answer, but wherever there is change, there is resistance, and there are people are scared, right? What does it mean for their jobs? What does it mean for job security? What if we can't get this done? Like, what about the existing customers? Are we going to be able to meet this, their needs while we're trying to undertake this huge transformation? How much, is going, how much is it going to cost us to bring in these consultants to make this big change? What does that mean for ongoing work? We have a lot of backlog. So there's a lot of questions that need answering when, when you're trying to undertake a transformation like this, when you're trying to take a decision like this. So if there is... Um, in, so it's, it's important for us to gather all the information that we have, but if there are questions like this, there's, there's bound to be that, um, that, that, that rep of being scared. Or if you have had a bad experience one time with one team, it sort of, sort of gets carried on with all the other teams where they're like, it didn't work for once, so it's not going to work again. Or if you've had uh, a, a little less um, skilled or maybe uh, I should say a little less, um, you know, you bring in a consultant that's not really uh, very familiar with that concept of how or how or how doesn't have the experience and they've had uh, bring in one size fits all, you know, prescribed solutions to the table and that doesn't end up working for the team. They sort of have that, you know, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. 
uh, if you try something one time and it doesn't work and it doesn't taste right, you, you have that bad taste in the mouth. So that can, that can be one of the reasons as well. Uh, but, but for someone who's going through training and understands what, what it means and how to start and that it's just a guideline, it's not an end-all, be-all, and it's not like this is how you do it and this is the only way to do it. And once you understand that, I guess then it becomes more easier to adopt it um, uh, eventually. Um, but I think initially there's always that hesitation of, is it going to work? It's not going to work for us. Um, that kind of situation. Yeah, it seems like there's a, there are a lot of factors that mm-hmm. that can come into uh, from what you're saying. Um, why sometimes people can just get overwhelmed and get overwhelmed with the change and the possibility of change and you know what it could mean for them. So you know in your uh, in your coaching or when you're working with a client, how do you suggest implementing safe with them so that you avoid some of those pitfalls or that fear of change? Um, so usually when, uh, when I do get client requests, it's, um, they have problems uh, and they will talk about those problems. And I, and I tend to focus on those areas, areas because usually they've heard from people or they've, they've heard from one person or the, or the other that, that, in that in their company, this is what works. So it's important for me to understand the needs of the client and what the problems are before I prescribe a solution. Maybe safe is not what you're looking for. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, you need a way to measure how your team is doing currently and maybe you just need to get better at what you already are using. Maybe it's from Kanban, it's already working for you. What's your focus on? Whether it's throughput, whether it's uh, being more lean, whether it's reducing waste. So really understanding those problems and, and why are they looking to scale? What is the, what's the plan? Where where is the product uh, you know heading? Uh, and once we decide that all right, safe it does make sense in this uh, in this situation, um, it usually starts with the support from leadership, um, right? Because because you can implement uh, anything any framework that you want in one team, but for in order for it to scale, you definitely need, and that's like um, the foundation, right? Getting leadership on board, and once you have leadership on board, and once they are trained, and managers are trained, and nobody's going to expect um, you know teams to come up with waterfall status updates anymore. Um, so that's I think that's very very important because if if leadership is not trained and if they don't support, um, then it sort of becomes like the teams are taking one step forward, two steps back because they're they're expected to give estimates in hours um, or you know things that the upper management wants to see and then uh, there's it's harder to move forward that way. Um, so I feel like the first step is definitely getting leadership on board. Okay, so you're really saying getting leadership on board, starting where you are, you know, really seeing where the organization is today, understanding the problem Mm -hmm. so that you can get them to where they want to go. Like, what is their goal? What is their plan for transforming so that you continue to focus on that um, with the rest of those in mind? Was that a good summation? Yes, absolutely. And the fourth point, uh, just to add the fourth point there, um, I I guess it would be to educate ourselves of all the the concepts that are out there, all the options that are out there. Safe may not be end-all, be-all, but uh, it may be some of the, the particular concepts that we like from it that we want to pick, um, or a mix of um, everything that's out there, like extreme programming, safe, uh, scrum, Kanban, whatever it may be. It may be a mix of uh, all of that that works. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I remember one time I was with a group, and it was uh, they weren't really connecting with retrospectives. And so I brought in something. This was at... Uh, Sandia National Laboratories where I used to work at. And so I brought in an after action report 
mm-hmm. which is basically a military retrospective. <laughs> and they were like, oh, like, and totally like went through the whole exercise and stuff. Um, but sometimes you have to, you have to switch things up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there Absolutely. and you just don't know what's going to connect yeah. with people. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, let's see. So what's one of your, um, biggest lessons learned that you've had after starting to implement these transformations at scale? Um, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that we as change agents can't really just come in and preach. Like you can't just come in and say, Hey, this is, these are 10 things that I'm just going to change from today. And tomorrow it's going to be, it's going to be a new day. And this is how we're going to do them because that usually doesn't work. Like you need to come in, gain the trust of the folks that are there you know, and figure out what's really working for them. So like if there's a company who's making millions of dollars in revenue, there's a reason that things are working. There's a reason that, um, you know, things are still, we're still producing and we're still in profit. So we need to figure out what are the things that are really working for us and how we can build on it and, you know, maybe keep those things that are working for us, whether it's, um, you know, for me, it was um, retrospective sessions, right? So something that really worked uh, for one team is that they liked to have um, a page that was open for them, like a place for them to come come and add their their inputs throughout a, a sprint or throughout a PI instead of just meeting maybe once um, in, a, in a week or once at the end of a sprint or once at the end of a PI and then and then they're pulled away from work for an hour or two and they have to think back of what happened last two weeks, or what happened throughout this PI. So having a place like that uh, really worked for them to, to add all that in, the, the, their inputs in before we get into the retrospective call. And that way we didn't end up spending all this time collecting all that feedback um, during the call. So we didn't end, end up spending like 40 minutes of the, of the one hour, which we, we would do with other teams, collecting the, that feedback because retrospective session usually means where we all collect and we collect that feedback. And, and so we modified that piece to work for us. Uh, that's what worked for the team. So you can't just come in and um, preach and say that, hey, this is, what, this is what works for somebody else and this is how we're going to do it. You need to see what works for the team, what they have appetite for and figure out their appetite for change and then introduce it in small doses. Um, and I think that, that way it sticks. And you want uh, people to, at the core of Agile, people should have an impact on, on, on their change and they should have a say in it. So in the retrospective sessions, really, people should have that uh, that space and feel safe to express um, their opinions and uh, suggest improvement items that actually stick. So um, instead of me coming in as a scrum master, as a product owner, as, um, as somebody wearing an agile hat and saying, this is what we need to change, I really need to hear it from the team because when the team says that we need to change something, it sticks. Mm. We have buy-in. So I think that's... Um, one of the big lessons that I've learned um, over the years uh, being in this space. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, you know, what are you doing now for your own professional growth? What's been on the top of your, top of your reading list, you know? <laughs> uh, well, so now that I am um, a 5X safe certified SBC, I am currently working on learning more about the consulting space and, and how I can empower client teams to scale their agile transformations um, to get to the next level and learning so much from everyone I meet in the process. Ultimately, my goal is someday to deliver a TED Talk 
um, and inspire so many young girls all over the world, especially those from underprivileged communities and developing countries to take up a career in this space. Oh, that's wonderful. What would your TED Talk be on? I guess, uh, I haven't figured that piece out, but I guess the TED Talk, um, <laughs> it's going to have to be a topic that's relevant then when I get to give it. Um, but maybe it's not, it's not safe anymore. Maybe it's just um, talking about my experiences and um, what I've learned from them and how it can help other young professionals. Wow, wonderful. Um, I, I mean, I'm, the, I'm similar where I'm like, you know, I'll just randomly be in my kitchen being like, oh, welcome to my talk, you yeah. know, just talking through <laughs> ideas of one one thing or another related to agile or business or what have you, you mm -hmm. know, kind of manifesting that. So that's uh, that's really that's really great that you have that as a personal goal. Mm -hmm. um, so, what final wisdom would you like to share with our um, our audience, our listeners, our eager agilists today? Um, so I talked a bit about this earlier when talking about how it is up to us as women to take back the power and truly be agile, to speak up, to be unafraid and respectfully demand to be heard when you have something to say and to trust yourself. The world will listen. Lastly, if there's one thing that you can take away from the session, um, I guess it will be the secret of how most people in the world manage to actually achieve the things that they set out to the secret to executing their vision. And this is one thing that ended up staying with me from a conference I attended several years ago, and I've followed it religiously since. The key is um, to write down your goals, whatever they may be, personal or professional. Write them down like a to-do list and make sure you put it in a place that is visible every day. For me, it's my computer screen background, and it's also always on my phone. Write down your short and long-term goals. And now write down what can you do about it right now, not a week later, not a year later, today. What's that little bit that you can achieve today? And strike that off your list by the end of the day. And do that again the next day, and then the next. One day at a time, and before you know it, you've accomplished a goal. Now you see, we as humans are designed to be driven by a purpose. So each day, you give yourself one. Try it. Start small until it becomes a habit and notice that sense of fulfillment when you try to strike that small piece of work off that list at the end of the day. So that's one, that's really cool advice. It's really fantastic. Also kind of crazy. So people aren't going to see this because they're not on video, but we are. But that's my goals list. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's my computer it's, screen It's diagram. literally right next to my desk. So like you said that, like write down your goals. And I was like, and, and have them in a place that you're at every day. And I was like, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> but then, and it also right under it has all the like, because one of my goals is to travel. Mm -hmm. and, and to have it under that, I have all the places that I want to go mm -hmm. um, on there. And so I'm, but I never thought about not just like putting it up there, but going, okay, how, what can I do today to advance one of Word those? Circle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's so, that's really interesting. I'm going to think about, I'm going to think about how to do that. That's yeah. fantastic. Thank I've you. actually observed like one, one day I've tried not using a list, not writing down and giving myself a purpose. And sometimes you do that, you take a break. But um, I've observed that, you know, from a few days that I don't write down a goal for myself, I don't achieve, uh, end up achieving a lot that day. 
Like the day that I write something on my list, I, by the end of the day, want to go home and strike, strike that thing off my list. And that helps me um, to get that done. So you know, every, different things work for different people. Uh, but that, that really helps me. And it seems like it's helping you too. So yeah, yeah, no, I think that's really interesting because I feel like I definitely, you know, I write everything down. I have all my sticky notes everywhere of where I need to have things. But then it's, it's almost like making sure that regardless of the task list, mm -hmm. you have the things that give you purpose and the things that give you drive and making sure that you're having at least one goal that day, regardless of your task list, mm -hmm. that gets you to that point. I'm thinking like even like, for example, I have mine, which is like to, you know, stay at a healthy weight for my frame and mm -hmm. stuff like that, like to continue to be healthy. And so maybe it's just as simple as making sure that I have a certain amount of vegetables that day, you know, Absolutely. versus like some of my glasses of water you need to drink that day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's my goal for that day versus like, I, you know, had, there's like a, I want to write a book one day. Maybe I do some writing prompts that day. Something like yeah. that. That sounds really, sounds really cool. What's yours today? Um, so for me, I want to keep my carb count low because I'm trying to lose all this postpartum weight. <laughs> so I use an app, right? So it's just the same mentality. Okay. When you're trying to yeah. use an app that, that keeps you accountable, you, before, you, before you eat anything or you consume anything that day, you need to put that into the app, enter it to make sure you're not surpassing your calories or your carb count, things like that. And that's what keeps you accountable. So it's a similar, it's the same idea, um, even in this case, where you're writing down your goals and making sure that, um, you know, whatever you're doing that day is um, helping you achieve, get one step closer to at least one of those. One of those goals. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, um, uh, uh, Shika, and thank you. Um, so uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and Scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Please go online to Women in Agile, all one word, all lowercase, dot org to learn more about our initiative and find more inspiring podcast conversations. So thank you so much again today for your time and, um, and for your advice. There's one of, that's definitely, I'm going to take that last one <laughs> right away where I'm like, that's, that's going to change my day-to-day -day routine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad it helped. Uh, thank you so much, Emily, for having me. It's been a, it's been a great evening uh, spending some time with you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. And as always, you can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. <laughs>